Welcome to Health Essentials, a Cleveland Clinic podcast. There's so much health advice floating around, online, among friends, but who can you really trust? Trust the experts. Listen to the world's brightest medical minds, our very own Cleveland Clinic experts. We ask them real questions, tough and intimate health questions, and we get real answers, all originally recorded live. Hi, thank you for joining us. I'm your host, Nada Youssef, and today we have Dr. Megan Cruz, medical oncologist here at Cleveland Clinic. Today we're taking your questions regarding breast cancer. Before we get started, please remember this is for informational purposes only and not intended to replace your own physician's advice. Thank you so much for coming today. Thank you for having me. Well, do you want to go ahead and start by introducing yourself to our viewers? Sure. So I'm Megan Cruz. I'm one of the medical oncologists here at Cleveland Clinic. I'm a specialist in breast cancer, so I do the medical therapies that go along with breast cancer, chemotherapy and anti-estrogen therapy, and I also do some clinical research in breast cancer treatment. Great. Thank you. Well, um, I want to kind of start with a general question. Sure. Um, so when it comes to breast cancer, are there certain symptoms that we're supposed to be looking for? Yes. I think that any general change in your breast is a symptom that you should report to your doctor. So things like lumps that you hadn't noticed before, skin changes, particularly redness of the breast or dimpling of the breast, and then nipple changes. So mm -hmm. if there's nipple discharge or bleeding or changes in the shape, Mm -hmm. um, those are things that we as physicians really want to hear about. Okay, and then speaking of lumps, is there a normal lump versus an abnormal lump? Mm -hmm. yes. There are, and that's what's really challenging about this, mm -hmm. is that depending on a woman's age and their menstrual history, also their pregnancy history, lumps can mean different things. And so it's really important to, if you find a lump, talk to your doctor about it so that we can decide if there's additional imaging that you might need to figure out if it's concerning or not or whether you need a biopsy. Not all lumps mean cancer, but we definitely want to know about them and evaluate them appropriately. Great. Okay, well, we have our first question from Jen. Um, can wearing a bra all the time cause breast cancer? I sometimes sleep in my bra. That's a really great question, Jen. I know a lot of women worry about this and feel more comfortable in their bras. And truthfully, I think sleeping in your bra or wearing a bra a lot of the time is actually quite safe. This is not something that we counsel our breast cancer patients or women that we see to do any differently. Okay. So I would feel comfortable with you going ahead and doing what's most comfortable for you. Great, thank you. Um, and then we have Nikki. How often should I be doing a self-exam? Should this be done during uh, my daily shower? Mm -hmm. So breast self-exams are really, really important. There's something that we've changed our recommendations on over time, mm -hmm. but now the recommendations are that women are familiar with their breast. And mm -hmm. so we generally say examining your breast at least once a month is important, often uh, around the time of your menstrual cycle. And in the shower is a great place to do it because you have access to your whole breast and you can find out what is different or changing. So breast self-awareness is the most important thing. Great, thank you. And then we have Michaela. My daughter um, has had leaking from her breast for a year. First ultrasound found no mass. Uh, this recently turned into bleeding. And another ultrasound uh, also found a mass. A needle biopsy returned benign. Is this something not to worry about? She's 24 years old. Mm -hmm. So Michaela, this is a really important question. And as you can see, just like we were talking about with lumps earlier, all lumps need evaluation. And so having these couple ultrasounds was important. Um, 
The benign biopsy is quite reassuring, although we always worry about changes in nipple discharge and um, general changes in the breast. And so if there is something that's changing, I would encourage your daughter to reach back out to her doctors that have done the evaluation so far mm -hmm. to get a sense of if there's anything more to be worried about. Um, both her gynecologist or breast physician or even a general internist could help with this kind of complaint. It's probably something that we don't have to worry about but should be evaluated to, just to make sure. Good to know. Thank you. And jumping on to Alice, um, can the chemicals in my deodorant cause breast cancer? I've heard this question many times, okay. actually, and I think we all want to get rid of things that could cause cancer, so it's very, very reasonable to worry about chemicals. Mm -hmm. um, I have not seen any data or heard anything that specific deodorant-containing chemicals are concerning for causing breast cancer, mm -hmm. so it's not a routine recommendation that I make to my patients to stop using deodorant once they've had a breast cancer. I think you can safely go ahead and use it. Okay, great. Very good question. And then I have uh, Jamie. Uh, what would your advice be to someone who has had the genetic testing and have been found to have a CHECK2 and a PALB2 mutation along with a strong family history on maternal side of breast cancer? I'm getting conflicting advice from my OBGYN, family doctor, and genetic counselor. Mm -hmm. This is also a very important question. And these two genes are genes that until very recently we weren't absolutely certain that they were involved in breast cancer risk. Mm -hmm. um, but now we know both CHECK2 and PALB2 are very important and do increase a woman's risk of breast cancer. Mm -hmm. So certainly, um, Jamie, your breast cancer screening should be more intense than other women who don't have these genetic mutations. The way that that's actually done is different for each person. Um, so usually it depends on your age, if you've had a cancer already, mm -hmm. um, and the age at which your family members may have developed their cancers. And so this is something that um, I think maybe having your doctors talk together to decide on the best way to do it would be the best approach. Usually, and I'm sorry I don't know your age, um, but usually a combination of mammogram and breast MRI can be helpful in this situation. Mm -hmm. But again, that depends a little bit on your age. So. Keep talking with your doctors, but definitely get screened, and you are somebody who I would really encourage to be aware of your breasts and be doing breast exams at home. Great. Thank you, and thank you, Jamie, for that question. Um, jumping on to Gina, um, what, are, uh, what are risk factors for getting breast cancer? That is a very, very important question, and I guess applicable to all of us here, both sitting here and in our audience at home. Sure. Um, risk factors for breast cancer, so the biggest risk factors are being a woman and aging. So the older you are, the more likely you are to develop a breast cancer. Um, other risk factors that we can control include alcohol use. So we would like women to stick to the recommended limits of alcohol within a week. So generally that's seven alcoholic drinks within a week or one a day. Um, one of the biggest risk factors that's getting more attention now is actually weight and obesity. And so we know that being overweight can actually increase your risk of breast cancer by 20, some reports even 40%. Wow. And so having a healthy diet, maintaining exercise, doing all that you can to keep your weight down is actually really, really important. Mm -hmm. Now one of the factors you said was women, being mm -hmm. a woman. Is, what is it for a man? I know men can also get breast cancer. Mm -hmm. So men, uh, women have higher chances. Can you explain why? Sure. 
So a lot of that has to do with hormones. Mm -hmm. So many of the breast cancers that we detect are hormone-driven cancers. Mm -hmm. um, and so for over a woman's lifetime, they're exposed to hormones for a longer period of time, which is why this is more common in older women. Mm -hmm. um, so men don't have as much estrogen or progesterone in their body as women do, and therefore don't necessarily get as many breast cancers as women do. Also, the sheer volume of breast tissue. Men have some breast tissue, but not as much as women do. Um, so that tends to be why women get more breast cancer than men. And are the symptoms the same for men as they are for women then, with lumps and changes in the breast? Yes, yes, generally the symptoms are the same. Uh, because men have less breast tissue, they may not notice obvious skin changes. Mm -hmm. um, but for men, lumps in the breast are a pretty common presenting symptom of having a breast cancer. Okay, very good to know, thank you. Uh, let's see, I have Dina. Um, both of my breasts are almost always sore. It does get worse around my menstrual period, but the soreness never really goes away. Should I be worried? Dina, this is also a great question. I think a lot of women have breast symptoms that sort of come and go, but never entirely go away. Mm -hmm. So usually that's actually pretty common and not something to be worried about, particularly if they're changing over the course of the month. Um, we do worry about pain that increases and then sort of never comes down from that peak point. So pain that is sort of same month to month for you, even if it never goes away, is generally not a problem. But of course, something that we want to make sure you talk to your doctor about. Okay, great. Thank you. And then we have Melanie. How reliable is the BRACA test? My mom had that done since she had breast cancer, and then it went to her brain. Hmm. I'm sorry to hear that. It's always... a uh, worrisome situation and a tough situation when cancer spreads to the brain, so I hope she's doing okay. Um, our BRCA testing is actually really good. Um, right now, the test is actually better than it was, say, five years ago or even 10 years ago. And so the tests are improving over time. Mm -hmm. For patients who were diagnosed with their breast cancer many years ago, we often advocate that they get their genetic testing either repeated or updated. And many of the genetic testing companies keep the results on file for years and check back in for new changes or new developments when they come about. So even when we know that the BRCA testing is reliable, unfortunately knowing that information doesn't always prevent the cancer from spreading mm -hmm. or from us being able to give treatments that prevent the cancer from spreading. But the test itself is very good and reliable in getting a positive result. Good, good to know. Okay, and then I have um, Stephanie. Um, when should I get my first mammogram? I'm 30 years old. So mammogram recommendations seem to be changing all the time, and this is probably why there's a lot of confusion about this. And um, I'm glad that, Stephanie, you brought this up during our time together. So it, we recommend as a cancer community um, that you start talking to your doctor about mammograms if you have no family history around the age of 40. Mm -hmm. And our national guidelines really suggest that between the age of 40 and 49, a woman has the choice to get a mammogram or not. Um, by the age of 50, we do recommend that all women are getting an annual mammogram. Mm -hmm. There are some guidelines out there that suggest that mammograms could be done every year or every other year. And again, that's a very personalized decision based on your own risk factors, your own family history, mm -hmm. and so really should be talked about with your doctor. But if you're motivated to get a mammogram around the age of 40, um, definitely let your doctors know. And by the age of 50, it's something that if your doctor hasn't brought up, you should absolutely bring up with them. Great. Um, and on, well, Dolores is 83 years old, and um, she's told that she doesn't need mammograms anymore. Is that true? 
So it depends. Mm -hmm. Dolores, it sounds like you might want your mammogram and hopefully your health is really good. Um, our recommendations for when to stop mammograms are also highly variable. A lot of our national societies say around the age of 75, it's reasonable to consider stopping. Okay. Now, it has a lot to do with your other medical problems. And if your life expectancy is 10 years or more, mm -hmm. um, and you don't have a lot of medical problems, say with your heart or with diabetes, it's reasonable to continue past the age of 75 if it's something you'd really like to do. I usually recommend only continuing in women who say that they would get breast cancer therapy if needed. Mm -hmm. okay. So if a surgery or radiation were recommended, that you have to know that if a cancer is found that those therapies might come along with it. And if you didn't think that you'd want surgery for something that was found, then maybe that's a time to stop considering mammograms. But if you're healthy and active and in your 80s, you can definitely still get them. All right, thank you. And then we have Shauna. Are lymph nodes that show up on my mammogram really nothing to worry about? That's a great question. It's something that we struggle with. So lymph nodes can pop up on mammograms and on breast ultrasounds. And depending on the characteristics of that lymph node on the imaging study, based on what our radiologists tell us, we can get a sense if the lymph node is concerning or not. Mm -hmm. Any lymph nodes that are concerning generally get biopsied, mm -hmm. um, but there are particular features of lymph nodes on ultrasound or mammogram that can help us to know if they're concerning or not. Okay. So it is sometimes possible to find an, a lymph node on an imaging study and really not be that concerned about it. Great. And then I have uh, Janie. What are margins in relation to breast cancer? So margins are something that I pay attention to very carefully on pathology reports for my women who have had a surgery for breast cancer. Mm -hmm. And basically what they are are edges around the breast cancer that your surgeon takes out at the time of the operation mm -hmm. that are free of cancer. So you can imagine it's sort of like an orange, okay. that the cancer would be the inside pulp part of the orange and the margin would be the rind around the orange. Mm -hmm. And what we always go for is sort of that rind of normal breast tissue around a cancer to make sure that no cancer was left behind. That's really our goal. So what we as medical oncologists love to see at the end of a surgery is negative or clear margins, meaning no cancer at the edges of the specimen that was taken out at your surgery. Okay, makes sense, very good to know. And we have Sandy, can physical activity uh, reduce the risk of breast cancer? Yes, absolutely it can, and probably in ways that we're not entirely certain of quite yet, but okay. we know that exercise and activity um, decreases your weight potentially and keeps your heart in better shape and prevents other um, major medical problems like diabetes in many ways. And so as weight is a risk factor for breast cancer and inactivity, we think that being up and being active and exercising is a really, really good thing. Okay. So we recommend that our ladies get at least 30 minutes of activity at least five days a week in order to decrease their breast cancer chances. Okay, great. And then piggybacking off of that, does smoking um, give you a higher risk for mm -hmm. breast cancer? So smoking can increase your risk for many cancers, mm -hmm. not specifically for breast cancer, okay. um, but we do worry that ladies who smoke have a higher chance of lung cancers, um, cancers of the head and neck or in the mouth, mm -hmm. um, and also a higher risk of heart disease. And mm -hmm. so if you had any of those things, it may make it harder to treat a breast cancer that comes about. And so although it may not be directly related to breast cancer, we really love when women are able to quit smoking. Sure, definitely. Um, and then we have uh, Mar Marlene. Um, how does my menstrual and reproductive history affect my risk? 
So that's an excellent question. And menstrual and reproductive history has a lot to do with a woman's lifetime exposure to estrogen and progesterone. Mm -hmm. So as we mentioned, having those hormones around during your life cycle increases your risk of a hormone-sensitive breast cancer from happening. Mm. So we do know that ladies who get their periods early and potentially go through menopause later have a longer period of their life where they're exposed to hormones and mm. therefore have a higher risk of breast cancer. Um, women who have had pregnancies before are actually at a lower risk of breast cancer. And that may be a little counterintuitive, but actually when you're pregnant, although you have higher estrogen levels overall, those hormones are actually more balanced. And mm -hmm. so it's not that you have estrogen by itself in your blood. And so women who have had more pregnancies or women who had their pregnancy, first pregnancy at a younger age actually have a lower risk of breast cancer. Oh, very interesting, great. And I have Joni at 56. I had uh, DCIS stage one. When will my girls be checked? So far they have been denied checkups. Hmm. So DCIS is actually a kind of confusing topic within breast cancer. It's sort of a precancerous lesion that is treated like a cancer mm -hmm. with things like surgery and radiation and even the medical therapies that I offer. And so it can be challenging because it's certainly an increased risk factor for breast cancer, but not necessarily a cancer on its own. Mm -hmm. And so it does mean that your girls should be checked earlier than they may otherwise have been. I don't know how old they are now. Um, certainly the general mammogram recommendations apply. It's something that I would think about them getting mammograms starting younger, on the younger end of the range, like 40 that we talked about. Maybe even younger than that. Um, I think, Joni, you said you were 56 when you were diagnosed, so 40 would actually be a decent age for your girls to start with their imaging. That being said, they should be doing breast self-exams and having breast exams with their doctors even before the age of 40. Great. And we have Audrey. Is there any research that shows that stress impacts breast cancer? So this is a question that's sort of like the activity question, where mm -hmm. we all believe that increased activity de um, is better for your cancer risk. Decreased stress is clearly better for your cancer risk, mm -hmm. but we have a hard time showing that in studies. Uh -huh. um, and it's oftentimes because figuring out how much stress we all go through on a daily basis is a tough thing to monitor. Mm -hmm. So anything that you can do to decrease your stress level improves your general health. Whether it has an impact on your breast cancer risk, I can't say for sure, but okay. it generally is much, much better for your health. Okay, and how about um, when it comes to diet? I mm -hmm. always speak to different physicians in these broadcasts, and I know diet usually has a, a link straight with the disease, but um, is there a certain diet that you should be um, you know, kind of following to, to prevent breast cancer? Mm -hmm. So really just a general heart-healthy diet is what we recommend. Mm -hmm. um, that is really what's best for your overall health, and it's also been shown to be good for our cancer survivors. So it's what we recommend for those who are looking to even decrease their chances of breast cancer before it happens. Apart from that, we don't have other um, specific diet strategies that have been shown to decrease the chance of breast cancer. Okay, great. Um, okay, next, uh, the next question we have, Cassandra. Is there any link between birth control and breast cancer? That's a really, really great and important question, sure. and it's one that uh, our medical community has gone back and forth with for many years. As of right now, we don't say that there is a clear link between birth control use and breast cancer. It's something that we track for all of our ladies who have breast cancer, and certainly we may change the method of birth control after a breast cancer has been diagnosed, especially if a 
cancer is diagnosed that's hormone sensitive. Mm. So in that situation, we tend to stop birth controls that are hormone based. But strictly taking birth control over the course of your life should not really impact your risk of breast cancer. Okay. Uh, and then Amber, I have a lump. Should I be worried about it? So definitely. As we talked about before, any lump in the breast is something that should be evaluated to make sure that it's not cancer. Mm -hmm. So you know, there are many lumps that can be nothing. Mm -hmm. um, and then there are lumps that are very serious and they're always hard to know until you're actually in the office with a doctor examining your breast. So I would encourage you to reach out to your physician and get in to get checked, and then your doctor will order whatever imaging is appropriate to figure out what's going on. So if we have someone, um, let's say like earlier, someone 30s, 35, and they just started self-examining, mm -hmm. and they do uh, feel some lumps, mm -hmm. um, and does it have to be painful? Does it have to be really big? Mm -hmm. Or do we just kind of check the consistency of the next time you check and the next time you check and see if there's any new ones or any that disappear? Or? Absolutely, yeah. Okay. So actually any lump can be concerning. It doesn't have to be painful. Okay. That's the... It doesn't have to be big. So okay. it's hard to know with all of us at home saying I have this lump, should I see my doctor or not? Your default answer should always be yes. At least have your doctor check it out to let us figure out what is concerning and not. Um, if you have a lump and then it doesn't go away but it's been evaluated, it's not necessarily a point for concern mm -hmm. as long as somebody's following that. There are lumps in the breast in young women that are very, very common and can actually change with your menstrual cycle or with your caffeine intake. Mm -hmm. And these are things that your doctor will often counsel you about. So once a lump has been evaluated, then your doctor will be monitoring to make sure that it stays similar or even goes down in size or that no new ones develop. What is the link between caffeine and the lump size? Mm -hmm. So you can actually have changes in lumps in the breast, things that are responsive to caffeine. So for women who have fibrocystic changes, we often recommend decreasing your caffeine intake if you're able um, as a way to decrease the lumpiness of your breasts and give you some peace of mind that there's nothing concerning going on. Okay, so if it's questionable, go see a doctor. Absolutely. Okay. If you have any question about a lump, go see your doctor. Great. And I have Tanya, can benign cysts become cancerous? So generally not. Benign cysts really have a particular appearance on breast imaging, and so we often feel very, very comfortable that a cyst is truly a cyst and nothing more. Okay. Um, cysts can very easily, many times in the office, be what we call aspirated or have the fluid inside a cyst be drained out. Mm -hmm. And that can be a good test because that fluid can be sent off to look for signs of cancer. Um, and it's often reassuring for a woman to know that there were no signs of cancer there. Sure. Um, sure. But a cyst really looks very different on imaging, even though it might not feel different than any other kind of cancerous lump on your body. So another reason that it's important to see your doctor. Okay, great. And then uh, Nancy, um, should everyone be screened for BRCA1 and BRCA2? So we talk a lot about BRCA1 and BRCA2 as the main genes that can have mutations that lead to inherited breast and ovarian cancer syndromes. Um, we actually have really good guidelines for which women are at risk for having these gene mutations and who should be screened for them. Mm -hmm. So we talk about women who have their cancer diagnosis under the age of 50 as being those who are definitely at risk for having these mutations and mm -hmm. should absolutely get testing. There are certain types of breast cancer where even up to the age of 60, we recommend having the testing done. Okay. And then depending on your family history, so if you've had breast cancers in certain 
family members, ovarian cancer in certain family members, or even other cancers that may go along with these inherited breast cancer syndromes, mm -hmm. that may raise flags for your doctor to order genetic testing. Um, there are also particular groups of women, ethnic groups of women, that we recommend testing, like Ashkenazi Jewish women. Um, so the whole population of women does not need to be tested. Even the whole population of women with breast cancer doesn't need to be tested. Um, but if you have particular features of your history of your cancer, then we will recommend genetic testing. Okay, great. Um, and then I have uh, Stacy. Are mammograms painful? So many ladies tell me that mammograms are not a fun experience. Okay. <laughs> um, to get really good views of your breast and any lumps that might be in the breast, mammograms can cause some discomfort. Um, and cause some press pressure on the breast. Mm -hmm. We'd like to think that it is nothing that is more uncomfortable than having a breast cancer diagnosis and all the treatments that go along with it, so we really think it is worthwhile. Um, typically, any discomfort you have associated with a mammogram will go away once the mammogram is over. It's just related to the type of pressure that your radiologist will need to get the types of images and views that they need to make sure that there's not a cancer there. So I can't promise you that it'll be a comfortable experience, but it's but worth it. But it's worth it, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and hopefully it's a short-term discomfort. Good, good. All right, and I have um, uh, Jenny. Are there other types of cancers that I can get because of breast cancer, because I have breast cancer? Mm -hmm. So generally not. Um, if you have a breast cancer that's not related to one of these genetic mutations, you should really not be at risk for any other particular cancer. Mm -hmm. Now that being said, there are women who get breast cancer because they've had radiation before. Um, so women who say have a history of lymphoma, and those women may actually be at a higher risk of both breast cancer and other cancers like lung cancer. Um, if you have a particular genetic mutation, there's often a, sort of a group of cancers that you're at risk for. And once a genetic mutation is known, your doctors will help you figure out what other testing you need, okay. whether it's more frequent colonoscopies or other imaging or just more frequent um, physician visits. And so simply having a breast cancer should not increase your risk for a new cancer, mm -hmm. but you want to make sure that your current breast cancer is not linked to something else sure. that should make us concerned. Sure. Okay, I have time for one last question here. I have from Danielle. Um, do we have any breast cancer support groups here at Cleveland Clinic? We do. We actually have wonderful breast cancer support groups. Um, Great. Driven mainly by our fantastic group of social workers. And I have to say that working here, that's one of my favorite things, is being in such a team that cares yeah. for breast cancer patients. So we have a support group run by one of our social workers that meets on a regular basis to talk about all the issues that surround breast cancer whether that's your diagnosis, your treatment, and living your life after a diagnosis of breast cancer. And these are issues that we focus so much on treatment that we don't always talk about what happens after. Sure. Um, but really, really important issues in terms of childbearing, working, future health, sexuality, mm -hmm. and these are things that our support groups are wonderful at tackling. If you're not here in the Cleveland area and have, ask that. <laughs> yeah, and have access to our particular support groups, um, groups like this exist throughout the United States. There are many um, great organizations that are involved in this and also really good online resources. So um, the common resources we direct women to, the National Institutes of Health and the National Cancer Institute, have great um, survivorship resources on their website. And of course, an uh, institution or uh, group that we're all familiar with, the Komen Foundation, has lots of important yes. information on their website and often have local offices that can connect you with the support groups in your area. Sure, sure. 
Thank you so much for wrapping up Breast Cancer Awareness Month with us here. But before we let you go, is there anything you want to tell our viewers? Yeah, absolutely. I'm sorry that we're talking in the first few days of November and not during <laughs> October. Um, but I would like to think that breast cancer awareness is not something that should be limited to October. Um, I think it's great if you time your mammograms with October so you remember. But truthfully, the most important thing I can say is know your breasts and get your mammogram. I see ladies every day who have their breast cancers diagnosed early. Mm -hmm. um, they may not have been found at all if it weren't for their mammogram. Um, and thankfully, those are women who are success stories. And Great. so um, I would love for all women to get their immigrants. Thank you. Thank you so much. Absolutely. And that's all the time that we have for today. But for more health tips and information, make sure you follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat at Cleveland Clinic, just one word. This concludes this Cleveland Clinic Health Essentials podcast. Thank you for listening. Join us again soon.